what we believe we believe. Why do I believe Jesus Christ to be the way, the truth, and the life? You want to be a Christian. You want to live the Christian life. But you've never learned how to live the Christian life. You're listening to Tellius Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout. In this episode of Talia's Talk, we will be finishing part two of our discussion on faith and regeneration, part of a series we are doing on the doctrine of redemption. Have you heard people talk about a leap of faith or childlike faith? Are they talking about faith in the same way we understand it biblically? Please join us as we complete this episode. Welcome back to the second part of the doctrine of redemption faith and regeneration as we get back to where we ended off last week so then i guess we we work our way out of this into part four like where did faith come from so we have we have this regeneration we move into faith where did that faith come come from um and you you had said to me that the westminster confession of faith says it's by faith alone that we receive justification yeah through this perfect obedience and uh, satisfaction of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we aren't justified or we're not saved uh, by anything like we've said. We're not justified by anything that we do, okay? Yeah. There's nothing that we can do. It's all Christ. It's all Jesus. It's all God. Romans chapter 3 says that we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we've been justified by faith and through christ jesus we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand so although we access salvation through faith uh it's not our faith it's nothing that so we don't create that faith there's nothing that we can do to, to gain salvation so faith is actually a gift from god god has to give you the gift of faith um and it's this response to that gift that justifies us in the sight of god and then we receive that free grace again i'm um, just looking at my notes here this is where hebrews 11 and verse 1 actually makes sense i'm just going to say when, when we're putting this together i noticed that we go to hebrews 11 quite a bit um yeah. talking about faith you know because there's hebrews talks about faith very explicitly in many different places so yeah so in, in hebrews chapter 1 basically what god is uh, hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 what god is basically saying is look i'm going to forgive you of all your sins and i'm going to extend my grace to you free without condition without cost all you have to do is believe or all you have to do is have faith in me but because we are depraved we're, we're corrupt we're mm-hmm. morally we don't have that ability to have that faith so god has to instill it god has to give us the gift of faith so that we can then accept the gift of grace. So that the reason why is because then we can't go to God and say, Yo, well, I did it. I had the faith to believe in you. I did it myself. No, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's merit or grace. It has mm-hmm. to all come from God. Like I said, faith is putting your total trust in God for every aspect of your life. And let's face it, we, we don't have a lot of faith. I mean, when you think about it, God's saying, you know, if you have faith, that I, I will forgive you of your sins, you know, without cost, without payment, apart from through Jesus Christ. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of faith in our sports teams. As much as we may say, oh, I got faith that the Vancouver Canucks are going to do well this year. 
inside, yeah. we suffer from this thing called doubt. Well, you know, what if they don't, right? And that's, yeah. you know, and just because you have faith in the Vancouver Canucks doesn't mean that they're actually going to get to the Stanley Cup final and win. You know, we put our faith in people and they let us down all the time. I mean, how much faith do we say we have in our politicians? How much faith do we have in the people who are in authority? You know, a lot of time we say, I believe this guy is going to make things better. Yeah. But you can't say that you have faith in him because your faith isn't going to make him do his job better. Right. Yeah. So there's nothing you don't have the ability to have that type of faith. And God here is saying, if you can't even have faith in the people that you know, how can you possibly have enough faith to believe in something that you can't see, but you know is going to happen? Like, how can you possibly? So God has to give us that faith. I was just thinking when you when you read about or you hear about people who are imbued, <laughs> when they have a lot of faith, yeah, they, they do things that scare us. So there's a lot of fear involved in actually doing faith the way it should be. So, for example, in my own life, this faith in God, like give everything to God. There's there's a, a lot of fear in complete faith, which is why it has to be God working faith in us. Because if it was up to us, then our fear would overtake. We would we would look at a situation and we would say, no, no, I can't do that. Because you know that that overtakes so quickly. Um, but you look at like the Apostle Paul, for example, the faith mm-hmm. of that man. If you would have sat down and talked to him and said, wow, Paul, you've got this phenomenal faith and, and how do you do it? He would have been like, man, I don't have faith. Like you don't know what's going on in my head, but yeah. you read about the acts of Paul. You read about the acts of the early church. You read about the missionary journeys and the things that Paul did. And he lived out faith because God gave him, God put this faith inside him and he was totally sold out on that. He took yeah. that. And he just ran with it. You know, which of the gospels is it? where it's like Jesus is constantly saying, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Don't you have any faith? Don't you know that if you have the faith of a mustard seed, that you could move a mountain? Uh, Luke 17, verse 6. Okay. Where he talks about, um, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and plant it in the tree or in the sea, uh-huh. and it would obey you. And then, you know, he continues on from there. Yeah. People always go, oh, that's kind of weird. Say, well, well, he's being literal, right? But you wouldn't use your faith to move a mountain, right? But what he's saying is, is that, you know, if you have enough faith in me, you can do miraculous things. Uh, The lady that, that touched the hem of his garment, there's a really good example of faith. She knew that if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, that she would be healed. That's faith. And Jesus even recognizes it when he turns around. He says to her, you know, daughter of faith. And then he's always rebuking disciples because, you know, they're with him all the time. And they're constantly doubting, you know, like, oh, how can this be true? Or, oh, we're going to die in the boat, you know. And Jesus is going to say, you guys are with me all the time. You've seen the things I do. And yet you still don't have enough faith to believe that I'm going to take care of you. Um, So here's an example of faith that I've always remembered. So, um, I love Indiana Jones movies. Um, I think they're awesome. And in Indiana Jones 3, The Last Crusade, uh, Indiana has to go and retrieve the Holy Grail so that he can heal his dad. And, um, but he has to go, he has to, uh, he has to kind of go through certain tasks, right? 
Uh, he has to follow clues and pass the test. And at one point, he steps out from a little cave, and there's this giant chasm between him and the other side where he needs to get to. And he doesn't see any way around it. It's just, and he's like, well, this is it. And, um, and his, his dad, Sean Connery, kind of whispers, you know, you must believe, boy, you must believe. And you see Indiana Jones. Actually, I used it in, um, in our trailer for this episode. Indiana Jones puts his hand in his heart and he kind of puts yeah. his foot out and he steps forward and his foot lands on, uh, on, a, on a pathway that he couldn't see. So yeah. faith is, it's called taking a leap of faith, right? Yeah. So yeah. faith is stepping out into the unknown, believing that your foot is going to land firmly on Christ. It's yeah. taking that state, step from death to life and saying, you know what? I know that when I put my foot down, that Jesus is going to hold me up. And that's always reminded me of a really good example of faith, yeah. is believing in the unseen. It's like a, like a trust fall exercise that people do in, in team building. Yeah. Unless it's like one of those videos where you see someone falling forward. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to fall back and they fall forward you go oh, didn't work <laughs> yeah you know that's that's because uh someone whispered in the ear this is this is what faith is and they <laughs> decide they do better i guess i, I don't know Going but they're forward. funny to watch yeah david had faith abraham had faith. in fact if you read that whole chapter of hebrews 11 it's called the, you know, the hall of faith or the chapter of faith yeah. it describes all the different uh acts of faith that people had not based on anything that they had seen only what God had said. Yeah. So, you know, and that makes me think, when when Satan comes to tempt us, so often he just does the same thing he always does. And, and I think about when he came to Eve in the garden and he said to her, did God really say that yeah. this idea that we have faith and we know that God has said to us, through faith you will be saved. And then, oh, we make a mistake and we sin. And then Satan comes to us and goes, oh, well, maybe your uh, salvation isn't assured. Um, and, and you had you had referenced James chapter two here, talking about that the demons believe, you know, this yeah. re the reality of faith. They they know, you know. And so, what better way to attack a Christian than to attack that basic idea that that maybe you can lose your faith. And, and maybe that's a really good way of sort of going into part five here, this idea of saving faith. Mm -hmm. um, knowing isn't enough, right? So knowledge is not enough. You can have an infinite amount of knowledge and it's not enough to save you. I think about a guy like Jordan Peterson. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard his stuff and I've, I've listened to a lot of what he says. And the guy's brilliant. He really is. Yep. And, and a lot of people have different opinions of him. But I mean, the man is brilliant. And I'm not sure if he's actually come out to say he's a Christian yet. I know for a long time he was an atheist. And then mm -hmm. he came and he said, well, I'm no longer an atheist. I remember that. I don't think I've ever actually heard him have a profession of faith yet. But, you know, knowledge is not enough. You can know everything there is to know about everything, and it's, it's mm -hmm. not good enough. And agreeing with Scripture is not enough. You could read the Bible forward or backward, and you could agree yep. with everything it says. If that's not enough to save you, what happens is that, you have to decide to depend on Jesus to save you. Mm -hmm. Saving faith is trusting Jesus, right? He's trusting him as a living person to forgive our sins and to give us that eternal life with God that he said that he would. Yeah. Now, when I was reading for this, I came across two definitions. One was called biblical faith. One was called biblical belief. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm going to use the same idea as a hockey team, right? They have definitions that are contrary to what we would call faith in a hockey team or a belief in mathematics. Mm -hmm. So you can use that term faith when you refer to a, to a sports team. You can use the term belief when it comes to something like mathematics. Mathematics follows rules, and these rules never change. Because if you all of a sudden said, well, in my mathematics, 2 plus 2 equals 5, well, the fool is you, because math never yep. changes, right? But this biblical definition of faith and belief, they almost come across as being contrary to what we understand. Yeah. Like saving faith in is closer to our idea of what we would call trust. Romans chapter 10, 17 talks about how our faith increases as our knowledge increases. Mm -hmm. So it's not like our knowledge increases and then our faith increases. It's the other way around. It flips um, this idea of an upside down kingdom. The faith mm -hmm. comes first. And then as knowledge increases, the faith is increasing. You know, it's like mm -hmm. one pushing the other. You're making sense. And this is why this, this is why the topic of faith is just, you know what? It can be very simple, yeah. but at the same time, it can be, it can be difficult. I've asked this to myself sometimes, you know, why is it that some people can read the Bible several times and their lives remain unchanged? They, they've never come to faith in Christ. There's a term that, that we have used in the past, yeah. you know, coming to faith in Christ. Why is reading the Bible? Well, because it's up to the, it's up to God. When God opens your eyes to what you're reading and he instills that gift of faith, that's what opens your, that's what makes you go, Oh, I get it. Without that God given faith, you're just, you're just reading words. Yeah. You know, and, and faith includes an awareness that we need saving. If you didn't know you need to be saved, then like, what's the point of your faith? And faith and repentance need to come together. So you realize that you need to be saved. Then it also no means that you need to repent. You need to come up and say, oh, you know what? I realize that I've sinned. I realize what the you know wages of sin is. Yeah. And then repent those sins and, and believe. This idea of, of repentance... Uh, I had it described one time to me as a heartfelt sorrow for sin. I like that that definition. It's not necessarily a mind thing. And I'm a big mind guy. I, I, I hate feelings. When people say, oh, I feel, I'm like, yeah, well, I can manipulate your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a heart thing. When your heart becomes sorrowful, and, and I don't mean like the muscle in your chest, but there's a repentance that happens. Um, David, uh, King David is a really good example of this because he, he cries up to God, and he just expresses this brokenness. Um, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a great example in the, in the scriptures. When we recognize that Jesus is the only way for the forgiveness of sins, and that to believe in him gives us forgiveness of sins, you were talking about your heart, and I think it's the idea of your spirit, right? Like the spirit yeah. inside you. All of a sudden, when you hear those words, you're forgiven. All of a sudden, you're filled with this joy because it's like you, there's a change. Yeah. And, and you, like you said, there's an awareness of the fact that when faith brings around the idea that we need a savior because we are just filthy, sinful people. Yeah. And, and that should bring us that realization that I'm going to hell and there's nothing I can do to get out of this because yeah. the wages of sin are death. But it, if I put my faith in Jesus, if I believe that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he's going to do, 
you know, that faith, you know, brings about that salvation or, or creates that, that work towards salvation. All of a sudden, the sorrow that you had over your sin becomes a joy over the forgiveness. And that's a manifestation of that faith. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 10 says, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. Mm-hmm. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Mm. Yeah. This uh, an idea of godly grief in genuine repentance. Do we hear that preached anymore? Do we, do we hear this idea of repentance being preached? I know in our church, it happens every Sunday, actually every service our pastor is really really clear about yeah the gospel message is always there it's always about you can be forgiven in fact that's what his message was this morning yeah. you can be forgiven of your sins you mm-hmm. just have to reach out open your heart to the lord and actually something that that you had uh, put in the notes is that for the christian faith leads to joy and confidence in the goodness and the grace of god yeah. which bestows salvation through jesus christ apart from works even apart from the fruit that flows from faith. Yeah. Saving faith is the conviction. I love this, what you wrote. Saving faith is a conviction wrought by the Holy Spirit or brought on by the Holy Spirit regarding the truth of the gospel and a trust in the promise of God in Christ. Yeah. And I think you have here too, you said that saving faith contains three elements. It contains the facts. It contains comprehension of those facts. And mm-hmm. it, the third part is trusting in the facts. The facts is you are a sinner and you're going to hell. But Christ has died for you on the cross, paid the penalty, and you can have salvation through him, not through anything else, through him. Comprehension of those facts is understanding what that means. You know, that's the Holy Spirit putting on the light bulb and saying, you know, put your faith in this God man. Put your faith in God and you will be saved. And then the next step of that faith is the trusting in the facts. Do you trust what he (laughs) says he's going to do? He's going to do. And, uh, and that is what saving faith is about. So then we're, like, we're going to go to part six here. And I'm not sure. A lot of us hear this idea or this notion of childlike faith. But the Bible never exhorts us to have childlike faith. And that, mm-hmm. for me, that was a light bulb moment. Because I've always saw, seen this picture of Jesus sitting on a stone <laughs> with children gathered around him. And this idea of having childlike faith and, and having my own kids and the way they treat me as their father, like absolute faith. I could, I could stand at the bottom of a, of a set of stairs and I could tell my son to jump and he would just jump. Like, there's no question, right? Yeah. It's like, dad told me to jump. I'm going to jump. And so I think a lot of people take this idea and they compound it onto what they believe it says in the Bible. But in fact, the Bible never tells us to have childlike faith. The closest that we get is in Matthew 5 verse 5. Where, he, where Jesus tells the disciples to seek and possess a childlike modesty. But that's something that is added to your faith. So you already have yeah. faith, but then he says, possess this childlike modesty. And maybe that's where the, the misunderstanding comes from. Yeah. You need to be honest and humble with your faith in God. And the idea of childhood innocence is, is an example of that. Something sort of, you don't want a childlike faith, but if you're going to have faith in God, think about this innocence, this childhood yeah. innocence, right? 
Yeah. And I've heard that used before too. You know, like the idea of a, of a child, if you're in a swimming pool and yeah. you tell your kid, you know, come on, jump, you know, mom or dad will catch you and you see the hesitation, you know, and then they jump. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard that before too. Um, one of the things actually I wanted to read was actually, you mentioned about the book of James. Yes. And in the first um, chapter of James, uh, he writes this, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. That's one of the key things. You know, people, when they come to Christ or they're faced with the gospel message, they're like, I don't know, this is just completely unbelievable. Like, I don't understand. Why would God do this? God says, well, ask for faith. Yeah. I'll give you the faith to believe in what I've said. And it's, again, we come back to that whole thing about, you know, it was, it's faith that is given from God. Uh, we talked about Hebrews chapter 11, and you've got it yeah. in your notes here where it says, um, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. All right. So we weren't there. Okay. We weren't there when God said, let there be light. But we believe that when God said, let there be light, there was light. God created everything out of nothing. We weren't there, but we believe it. To believe that takes faith. And that takes a God-given faith to believe something like that. Mm -hmm. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice uh, than Cain. Through faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. It talks about by faith, Abraham left his the homeland of his fathers. God said to him, I want you to go this way, and I'm going to take you to the place that I'm going to, that's going to be your new home. He didn't tell him where he was going. He didn't tell him, you know, it's this place, or when you reach, you know, the X in the sand, you've marked your, you know, you've reached your spot. He just said, go. Yeah. And most people would be like, I mean, if it was me and God said, okay, Alistair, I want you to go here. I'd be like, why? You know, like that's, that is our nature. Like why? Uh, I'm quite happy here. I don't want to leave. Like, you know, we would start doing the whole Jonah thing. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and yet Abraham left his home. He, he put his faith in God, but it was God that gave him that faith. And it was that faith that was, that was counted or attributed as righteousness to him. So we're going to come to this last part, part seven and reading what we just read, I think kind of pulls into it. And I know you said you didn't want to do this. <laughs> but, I think, but I think we kind of get to this point. Part seven is, is faith a part of the doctrine of election? In the last... Oh. <laughs> you sneaky man, I didn't read the last page. Oh, yeah. I know. I snuck it in. So in, that, in what we read in Hebrews, talking mm -hmm. about um, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. When you read in Romans, it says nobody has an excuse because they've seen... The work of God, right? They've seen creation. Yeah. Being that, that I grew up in a Mennonite church, which is uh, part of the Arminian sort of arm of things, and, and I know there's a lot of Calvinists who 
just about had a heart attack right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have our 4.5 Calvinist with us today. <laughs> I see things that, you know, you're going here. Mm -hmm. And let's say you've grown up apart from the church. You haven't grown up with a Christian background. You're just living your life. Yeah. And one day you look at a tree or, or a flower and you go, man, there's, there's this like innate beauty in this thing. And instead of just going, it's a beautiful flower, it's a beautiful tree, you go, there's something to this, right? There's something in your mind, let's say, jumps to this idea of something that is built needs a builder. Yeah. Well, at that point, you're here, and God is alongside you, and he just kind of taps you. It's like a nudging of the spirit, right? He nudges you. You can either take that nudge and move, or you can just continue on and go, no, that's crazy talk, right? You just keep on going where you're going. But I feel yeah. like, I believe that there's like this nudge, like the spirit is nudging you. So everything that happens isn't you moving, it's the spirit just pushing you over, just nudging you. Like yeah. nudge, nudge, nudge. And uh -huh. you get you get to this point. This is why Calvinists are so excited. They're like, Oh, I did nothing. It's all God. I'm just a lump of clay mm -hmm. laying on the ground, absolutely responsible for nothing in my life. And they mm -hmm. hate people who are Armenian. Because they say, well, an Armenian doesn't really believe that God does everything because you make every free choice. And I'm kind of sitting beside there going, no, you have free will because when the spirit nudges you, you can either go with a nudge or you can go back, right? Resist the grace. Exactly. But you're not the one doing the pushing, right? It's the spirit pushing you. So that's, that makes Calvinists happy, this idea that God is doing the work. But you still mm -hmm. have free will to decide where you're going to go. So we get to this part, <laughs> part seven doctrine of election we know about god you know we know about his revealed will and we know that he tells us what to do but there's far more in god's hidden will that we don't understand so mm -hmm. god has these plans that are hidden from us yeah. and when you start talking about election you start talking about free will and then you piggyback this onto our idea of faith yeah it it causes a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. It causes this infighting among believers that I see all the time. And I'm not sure that it's, it's justified, you know, because I believe in election. I believe in predestination. I also believe in free will. And I don't think these things contradict each other. I just yeah. don't, I, you know, because we say to people all the time, oh, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. And God is not a God of confusion. And then yeah. you have these two groups of people fighting about each other because, well, my verse says predestination. Well, my verse says free will. And, ah, we hate each other. Well, that's, yeah. stu that's stupidity. It really is. It just, and when you're talking about faith and we're talking about a doctrine of election, there's a lot of things about God's will that are hidden from us. There's a lot of things about God that we don't understand that we won't understand. And why should we? Yeah. There's mysteries are hidden for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And I would I would actually agree with you on, on, on pretty much all of that. I don't think yeah. there's anything you've said that I would disagree on. My always my hesitation is because that the doctrine of election election is uh, is just one of those hot potatoes, which we will do one day. <laughs> we just have to figure out how to do it. Well, we both but need a lot I, more courage before we do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, more faith. More faith. Oh, yeah. But you know what? I think it, to to kind of end the podcast, I think it would it's really valuable to go back to the word of God, where it all starts. Um, and I just wanted to read uh, Ephesians chapter two, just the first 10 verses where it's Paul says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, 
the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived with the passion in our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We're, we're sinners. That's the starting yes. point. But God, but God, there's no but, you know, you or, or you know, this person, just God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he has loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, right, even though we were sinful creatures, he loved us so much that he made us alive together with Christ. That's the mm-hmm. being born again, right, the new creation. Yeah. Yeah. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not the results of works so that you can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I want to kind of go back to to verse eight, which is one of the famous ones, you know, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Grace and faith are gifts from God. But if we remember what James said, you know, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives to those who ask. If you if your heart is being tugged by the Holy Spirit and you're being convicted of, of, you know what, maybe this is right. Maybe maybe this is true respond to that grace and if you're like i don't know if i can believe this ask god to give you the faith to believe and he will and his grace will be imparted to you and that's it that's the gospel yeah so that brings us to the end of this part of this series next month we're going to be talking about repentance so the doctrine of redemption and repentance and we've talked a little bit about that today we've touched that a few places so um (laughs) would you would you like to end this part in prayer Yes. Uh, Father God, how wonderful day today. Uh, spending time talking about who you are, talking about our faith, talking about how you work in our lives, bringing us faith, the need for redemption, the need for regeneration, being born again, that famous verse that everybody knows, uh, John three sixteen. I pray that you will have open ears and open hearts. Hear what it is that scripture says, that we need a faith which is more than knowledge, a faith which is more than a feeling, but faith that is changing, that changes our lives, and that we see in our day-to-day struggles that, that even though we sin, we know we can go to you. Even though we sin, there's a feeling in our hearts that says it's not okay. We pray for a blessing on, on those who have joined us in this podcast. We pray that you would make them receptive and to to share the things that that we have shared today. Go with us, grant us your your mercy and your grace. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to visit our Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube sites. We're always happy to visit and answer questions. Our Facebook page has discussions, articles, and links to the topics we discuss monthly. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. Next month, our special guest, Corey Gilmore, will be joining us as we start part two of our series on the doctrine of redemption, repentance. We look forward to sharing with you again.
do we believe what we believe we believe?